Better late than never, I have my full thoughts on Jordan Peele's Nope right now. Hello everybody and welcome to my non-spoiler and spoiler thoughts on the latest film from Jordan Peele, Nope, which opened last weekend. I wasn't able to get to the theater due to illness last weekend, but I was able to go last night and check out the movie. So I'm going to do two little sections because usually I would have probably split this up into two reviews. I'm going to do a little bit of a non-spoiler section here at the beginning and then I'm really going to get into my thoughts about the movie with a spoiler section toward the end. But let's talk generally about the movie. This is the third movie from Jordan Peele and one of the things that I love so much is that he continues to find his own place inside the genre or the different genres of filmmaking. He kind of rides this line between horror, sci-fi, satire, comedy. He kind of mixes in bits of all of those things throughout his films in varying degrees. This one I thought was the most kind of sci-fi centric but it also had some great moments of horror and some great comedic moments in it as well. What did you see? That's big. How big? Big. This is usually where I'd go into kind of a plot synopsis, but the movie's out, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much. I did really like Daniel Kaluuya as OJ, who's left to run this family farm. Kiki Palmer is his sister Emerald, who one of the things that I liked about her character was that she was actually a natural at running the family business. OJ was a natural with the animals, and Emerald was a natural with dealing with people, but neither one of them was really interested in the life of the other one. And I also like that you had this sibling dynamic in a movie where there's definitely some estrangement going on there, but at the same time, you don't have to have them be completely at odds the entire movie and then have to have this big scene where they put their past behind them and then they decide, oh, we're going to work together. It, it felt much more realistic in the sense that sometimes you're really annoyed by this person and sometimes it's kind of like going back to childhood and going back to old times. So I thought it was a very realistic dynamic between those two characters. I liked Brandon Perea as Angel, who is the Fry's electronics technician who also gets looped into this. He's kind of the outsider in the sense that he doesn't really know anything of any of the worlds that are being dealt with. He's able to look at things with a nice outside sense of wonder that I think was a nice addition to the chemistry of the leads. And then you have Steven Yun as Ricky Park, who's also known as Jupe because he runs the Jupiter's Claim Western Family Amusement Park. I think there's a lot more to his character than meets the eye. And Steven Yun really gives the character a, a, a very deep, almost like subterranean level. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to when I see the movie again is knowing where the story goes and what his backstory is and his role in the story overall, looking for those kind of subtle signs. I think that Steven Yeun is, is a fantastic actor. I mean, he was great in Minari. He's been great in, you know, The Walking Dead and a lot of other shows that he's been in, movies that he's been in that I haven't had a chance to see. But I think that he's really bringing a lot more to this movie than you can really tell the first time around. And uh, I think that there's a lot to discover with his character in subsequent viewings, and I'm looking forward to that. And then you have Michael Wincott as Antlers Holst, who's this old, grizzled cinematographer who wants to get this impossible shot. There are some things in this movie that you can tell are born from Jordan Peele's experience being in the production realm and living in the Los Angeles area. One of them is that Fry's Electronics store in Burbank, which is an actual store, the thing with the UFO that crashed into it. It went out of business a few years ago, but it's still standing, which is why Jordan Peele was able to go and shoot his movie there, but it's kind of 
of a local landmark. I've been in that store several times myself before it closed down as either a production assistant, particularly when I was working in post-production or on my own, because that was like the perfect place to get like cables and connectors and all of those different kinds of things. It's kind of sad that it's not around anymore, but that's the kind of touch that somebody who's been in the LA scene for a while will know to include in a movie like this. And another one would be this character, this, this, this grizzled director of photography, because no matter what shoot you're on, whether it's a big shoot, the biggest movie shoot, or the smallest reality shoot, there's one person on the crew that's like, that's just been around for 30 years, has this huge bank of knowledge. You're kind of wondering like, why are they working on this? I thought that Michael Wincott played that character really well. And he was a, a great addition again to this sort of crew as we get into the third act. And I love that moment between uh, OJ and Emerald when he shows up and they realize that uh, he's exactly the person that they wanted him to be and that moment of joy that they share. Again, it's these character moments between them that make them feel like actual people. Nope is a very interesting film when you look at what Jordan Peele has done so far because I think that it's his biggest in scope and scale. I mean, you literally shot an IMAX. He himself has said that he wanted to make it a big spectacle that people would go out to the theaters and see. And yet I think it's the most constrained when you're looking at the message underneath it. I think we're trained a little bit with Get Out especially, and but also with us for these kind of big sweeping statements on human nature and society, etc. This one I thought was a little more constrained to the characters in the movie. You definitely had some bigger themes at work, but I think that a lot of people go into Jordan Peele's movies looking for these big societal messages, and I don't quite think that this one had one that was as big, as big as the ones that have been in his previous movies. I'll get into details a little bit more later on. I will say that on a technical level, I think that Jordan Peele is growing with each film by leaps and bounds. But it is interesting because this is both the grandest film that Jordan Peele has ever made, but also in some ways the smallest film. And I think that that may be why some people are coming out a little disappointed. When you look at the movie as just a piece of technical artistry, what Jordan Peele's been able to achieve is really impressive. I think you have some fantastic horror beats in this and I'll, and I'll break it down specifically in just a minute. There's also a lot of great suspense and a lot of it is how the movie is shot. And when we talk about different aspect ratios and I've gone on many rants about aspect ratios in the past, but one of the things that I love about how he chose to use the IMAX format in particular, because I went to see this at my local IMAX screen, the sequences that he chose to use the IMAX framing, which is which is taller, it's it's you know it's more of a square than your typical uh, movie frame. Jordan Peele chose to use IMAX in a lot of sequences where the camera is looking up and you have the sky and you have this vast night sky and you as an audience member are looking around much like the characters are trying to see where it is. Where's it going to be? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be there? And it was used so effectively. It's both in the design of how they chose to bring this thing in and out of the clouds, but also using this huge aspect ratio to fill up the screen with the sky, this, this vast sky where you're trying to catch any sign of, of whatever this thing is. That to me is a sign of a great filmmaker who doesn't just turn on an IMAX camera because you can advertise it as being shot in IMAX, but actually knows how to use the format. A lot of credit with that has to go to Hoyte van Hoytema, who was the director of photography on the movie. He's done movies like Tenet and Ad Astra, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Her, Let the Right One In. Just a, a brilliant director of photography, a brilliant cinematographer, and he brought so much of his skill to this film. And I want to give a shout out to a couple of names that 
may not get specific shout outs that often. Johnny Byrne and Jose Antonio Garcia, which according to the credits that I could find are the movie sound designer and sound mixer. The sound design and sound mixing in this movie are so good and so important to bringing you into this horrific chain of events that's going on. It reminded me a lot of Annihilation, which used sound in a really great way. It reminded me a lot of Signs from M. Night Shyamalan, which shares a lot of similarities with this movie, which used sound in a very similar way. You don't think as an audience member about how important sound is to one of these experiences until you get into some sequences like this where you're hearing things from the sky and screams coming from somewhere or something moving in the corner. The sound design on this movie was so good and it just goes to prove how important that art form is to the world of making movies. So overall, before we get to spoilers, I, I think that Jordan Peele is really continuing to develop his sense of filmmaking and his own personal style. I thought this was a really impressive entry into his filmography. Is it the best film that he's made? Well, it's not my favorite, but I think when we step back in five or 10 or 15 or however many years and look at Jordan Peele's filmography uh, as a whole, and we aren't just kind of micro-focusing on this one film, I think that it's going to fit into whatever he does in the future and whatever he's done very well and also in my opinion a Jordan Peele movie that may be a little bit lighter on messaging and may not quite have as much heft as his previous movies is still five times as interesting as almost anything else that's out there and I think that he remains one of the most fascinating complex surprising filmmakers working today this to me was another solid entry in a filmography and don't forget it's early in his career I hope we're just three movies in, and I think that he has given us three really unique, really uh, interesting and dynamic films, and I can't wait to see what he has next. So let's transition now to the spoiler section. So if you have not seen Nope, this is where you're probably going to want to jump off the train because I'm going to get very deep into spoilers about the film. So this is your final warning. One of the things that I think is the most interesting about this movie is that Jordan Peele has said that he made it as a spectacle, and yet it's also a movie about the dangers of spectacle. This is a movie that financially requires you to, as an audience member, put your eyeballs on the film. And yet it's about the, the danger of becoming too wrapped up in that. And really your only salvation is to turn your eyes away and not look at what's happening. In this movie, more than any of his other ones, I feel like Jordan Peele's not so much telling the audience something, he's having a conversation with them. And I think that that's something that not a whole lot of movies do. One message that I think the movie does have though, regardless of the thoughts on spectacle, is about exploitation. Uh, specifically in this movie, it's about exploitation uh, of animals. But I think you can take that movie to, to mean really exploitation of anything in general and how it is incredibly self-destructive, how even the most innocent people can get caught up in it and how it ultimately leads to a bad end for everybody. And one irony that I've sort of found on social media, which I am on more than I probably should be, but one of the movie's most prominent critics has been uh, Logan Paul who certainly has had his role in both spectacle and exploitation in the past, but he put out this big Twitter thread about how this was objectively, which I, when I see someone use the word objectively, 
I almost always know it's going to be incorrectly. How Nope is objectively one of the most disappointing movies made uh, in recent times, which just, ah, flames on the side of my face. But aside from that, I, I guess it's not really surprising that a movie that's about spectacle and exploitation is kind of missed by somebody who is wrapped up in that world. Like, I'm sure if Network came out today, one of my favorite movies, there would be a lot of uh, producers of exploitative television, that movie's also about exploitation, that wouldn't quite get it that wouldn't quite see the satire and i think that the mark of good satire is that the people that it's satirizing don't quite see what's so deep about the film because the tmz reporter that shows up at the end could have just as easily been um you know a content creator who was there to shoot stuff for tiktok or youtube or whatever to post online and get a bunch of views um so i, I think it is kind of an interesting epilogue to this movie that somebody who is so prominent in the worlds that i think that jordan peele was satirizing was very public about not quite getting the point of the movie. So I think when you look at the big picture, the movie's about spectacle. When you go in a little bit closer, it's about exploitation. And then I think it's a really interesting dynamic between these two characters of OJ and Ricky. Both of these characters have experience with trained animals, and yet they've both come out of their life experience with two very different worldviews. When you look at Ricky, he has survived this horrific event where a trained animal went crazy and yet spared him. And when I was saying, earlier that Steven Yun has a lot of kind of subterranean levels to his character. This is somebody who is obviously very traumatized by that event and yet at the same time has decided that the response to that would should be to exploit it, to make money off of it, to live off of the legend. It's the idea that, you know, maybe he almost feels invincible. Like, he got away from this trained animal, so now he's the master of all animals. And that leads him to take upon himself training whatever this beast is from another planet. And ultimately, that leads to his own destruction. Whereas with OJ, you have somebody who's been raised around animals, raised to respect them, and knows what the limitation should be, knows what the respect for these animals should be. And yet, the thing that I think is interesting about it is even he gets caught up in this whole exploitation angle, trying to exploit that animal himself and get it on film, and that almost leads to his ruin. It certainly uh, destroys his home, destroys his farm, almost takes his life, almost takes his sister's life, claims the life of many, many others. What are we gonna get? The shot. What shot? The shot, the money shot, undeniable, singular, the, the Oprah shot. And so that's where I think that all of the themes kind of intermingle. You have this, this messaging a little bit about animals and training nature and harnessing nature, exploiting nature, uh, the downfall of people, the, the idea that even with the best intentions, you can fall into the same traps as somebody who you know way more than. This is why I say that Nope, I think, is still a very interesting movie because it has so many different messages and meanings when you relate them to the different characters and their actions in the film. And I think there's a lot to discover on subsequent viewings as you track each character's interaction with the other through these different scenes. And the thing that makes OJ and Emerald, I think, complicated is that, yes, they want to capture this thing on film, and you can read it, and I think it is, in some sense, exploitation. But at the same time, I think that Jordan Peele brings in the story of their great-great-great-grandfather and the idea of exclusion from history, the idea that their family was part of the first movie ever made, and yet people remember the guy who shot the film 
and not the guy who was actually on the horse. And a lot of this also comes down to race and the exclusion of people of color from a lot of different historical narratives. But when you look at the motivations of these two characters, I think that they're also motivated by the fact that they come from a family that was part of this huge discovery and was excluded from the history books on this discovery. And so now with this thing, they're going to be the ones that shoot the film. They're going to be the ones that discover it. They're going to be the names that are in the history book. It's almost almost like setting right a wrong that the family has had on them for generations. Before we go any further, I'd like to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Mint Mobile. Most of us are caught up in the net of big wireless, and how many times have you been promised great service or a great deal, only to find out later on down the line that there is a catch? Yeah, that's right, most of the time. So when I was approached by Mint Mobile and I heard that they were offering premium wireless service for $15 a month, the first thing I thought was, well, what's the catch? But after doing my own research, after talking to Mint Mobile, and after using their service, I finally figured out the catch is there's not one. I gave Mint Mobile service a try and I was honestly shocked at how much I've been paying for wireless service because isn't that really what you need more than anything else? Wireless service. That's what Mint Mobile is in the business of providing. And I found that I had good reception, the talk text, the data, everything worked great. It was like I didn't change anything except for how much my mobile plan costs, which was significantly less. All plans come with unlimited talk and text with high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, and you don't have to start over. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Merle. And I want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. It was fast. Too fast. Too quiet to be a plane. The third act of this movie actually reminded me a lot of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and the idea of the Holy Grail. And I think that Antlers kind of goes into it when he talks about the impossible dream of capturing this ship on film or this beast on film. The idea of taming or, or in some way harnessing the power of this alien creature is like the Holy Grail in the sense that it seems like it's always within your reach and yet you will never actually be able to attain it. You will always be reaching out for it to your own peril. And that's the lesson that I think a lot of these folks in the movie learn. Some of them pay with their lives for this, but it's just another layer to the storytelling of this movie. The, the, the impossible dream, the unachievable goal. And it's a tough lesson to learn. The, the scene where the entire crowd is sucked up from Jupiter's claim, when we cut to inside of this alien and this, this claustrophobia and the idea that they're just getting pulled into whatever digestive system this alien has inside of it and the screaming, the claustrophobia, the idea that we're not even really focused on a main character there. And what a horrible death. And the idea that you can hear the screams from the victims in the sky as this thing is flying around, but you don't quite know what it is until the end of the movie. It's just so effective. And Jordan Peele, you know, he said that part of this was inspired by a nightmare that he had where a chimp goes crazy and attacks people on a set. And then, you know, that's part of the, the plot of this movie. But he is able to tap into this just 
primal fear of different things that people have, whether it is, you know, the subjugation of the conscious mind or the idea of somebody stealing your identity, stealing your sense of self. This movie is even more primal in the sense of it's the idea of being taken by the alien and being tortured and, and, and subjected to these horrible things. I mean, Jordan Peele really does have a nightmare factory in his head that I'm glad he's able to put on film because I hope that this helps get those visions out of his head, even though it does end up putting it in our head. And even little sequences like when uh, OJ's in the barn and they don't turn out to be real aliens, but the way that that's staged, I just got chills down my spine when you see that one, the first alien thing start moving. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's primal. And Jordan Peele is so good at tapping into that. Another thing I like about Jordan Peele's movies is that they hold up to being rewatched because there are little details in them that you don't catch the first or second or even third time you're watching the movie. There's a few that I kind of took mental notes of, and I'm sure there are many more of these that, that both I haven't noticed and that other people have. Uh, there's the scene where uh, Emerald is giving the speech about the family horse farm, and she says uh, it was started by her great-great-grandfather, and O.J. has to remind her to add another great. And that man is my. Great, great grandfather. Great. There's another great grandfather. Later on in the movie, she puts in a tape with her dad, who's played by Keith David. Always great to see in a movie. And he's giving the exact same speech that she gave earlier in the film. And because he's a generation older than her, he says great, great grandfather. And that's why she has to be reminded to add that third great. It's because she memorized the speech that her dad gave on this tape from earlier. And I think it, it number one, it's just kind of an interesting little detail in the movie. But it also is a very subtle way to show just how much she actually did love her father and did have pride in the business. I mean, she she left it because she felt excluded from it and, and kind of pretends like she doesn't like it in many ways, but you see that deep familial connection to their family history and their family legacy. There are a couple of interesting things with Jupiter's claim and with Ricky that I noticed the first time, and I'm sure there's even more the second time. Thinking back on the conversation between OJ and Ricky earlier in the movie, he talks about uh, OJ does buying back some of his horses, and Ricky's kind of like, oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. What you don't know at the time and what you realize after the movie is that he can't sell those horses back to OJ because those horses are gone because that's what he's been feeding this alien creature. So that's an interesting interaction between them. And also uh, the scene where OJ is looking out and he sees the arena lights and you kind of hear some audio from the arena. It's Ricky practicing his presentation for this big show that would ultimately be the death of everybody that was at the show. Uh, and again, that's something that you don't understand at the time when you're watching the movie, but then when you go back and watch, you know what's going on. It's also, this is just a really interesting detail, and I think it just kind of taps into the like-mindedness of people who were similar ages around similar times. When Ricky is um, talking about the SNL sketch that was about the Gordy attack on set when he was a kid, he, it was in the mid-90s, and he's talking about the cast of the sketch, and he's going through, you know, Anna Gasteyer and Daryl Hammond, and Scott Wolf was the guest host, and then he says, and playing Gordy, in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to be Chris Kattan. He was like, was Chris Kattan? And it's like, of course it was Chris Kattan, because... Anyone who watched SNL in the mid-90s would know. I mean, Chris Kattan did a monkey-type character. He's sort of a missing link called Mr. Peepers on Saturday Night Live already. And so I think that's just, again, Jordan Peele drawing from what he knows, drawing from his own personal experience, because I think people that were fans of SNL in the mid-90s, and I very much was, would know that that would be Chris Kattan's part to play and that he probably would crush it. 
So overall, when I look at Nope, I think there's so many interesting nooks and crannies. And I think what it doesn't necessarily have in big picture messaging, there are so many smaller pieces to these characters and, and so many other themes that run throughout the film that it's almost in a way kind of more fun to, to pick through it and piece through it. And, and like I said, over time, I look forward to finding all of these other different moments and little things that Jordan Peele kind of hides in these movies as Easter eggs. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, Jordan Peele had a huge breakthrough with Get Out, but we shouldn't expect every single movie to be Get Out in the sense that like it has this big grand thing to say about society and humanity. A lot of his movies are, are going to do that, but I think that not every one of them has to do that or should be held to the expectation of doing that. I think that Nope has some really interesting messages in it. I think it is combined with a really, really masterful growth of Jordan Peele from a technical level. And again, this is his most mainstream in many ways movie because it absolutely works as an alien invasion type thriller uh, with a lot of suspense and again, a lot of those horror moments. And so I think that there's a lot more going on to this movie than a lot of people have given it credit for. I think it is a, a victim of expectation, both on the high end for people that were expecting this big life-changing message. And also on the other end where I think a lot of people were going for this kind of alien invasion story and are like, well, what's this? Why is this chimp stuff in there? I don't understand why all of this stuff is in the movie. Jordan Peele has a lot going on with this film, but I think it mostly works together. Uh, so I was a fan of Nope, and, and like I said, I'll take an interesting movie, even if it has some flaws, over the most generic kind of churned out thing uh, that Hollywood can produce any day of the week. So those are my thoughts on the film. What did you think of the movie? Did you like the messaging? Did you not like the messaging? Do you think that I'm crazy to find all these different levels in it? Let me know down in the comments section below. And as always, thank you for watching the channel. I will be back later this week with even more news and reviews. I'll be back next week with Box Office to see. Does Nope repeat? as number one are the dc super pets going to be the number one movie in the country as always thank you so much for watching until next time stay safe and i'll see you then bye